So tonight, I uh, just kind of wanted to build upon, I felt like Nate last week set me up well with talking about uh, that we're running a race and just the things we need to lay aside to run a good race. But as um, any athlete knows, <laughs> I'm going to consider myself an athlete in a minute, um, I ran track in high school for two years. So yeah, there we go. Pretty pro. Uh, the 800 is my race, so that's like two laps. I was really good at it, and yeah, that's my thing. Anyways, uh, if you're going to run a good race, it's not, um, there are things you need to get rid of, but there are also things you do to train and be better at running, right? Like, there's like a certain, like, diet athletes keep to. When you're a runner, it's like just a lot of carbs, and then that helps you run somehow, eating pasta, but, um, and you like train and you do things to like be better at what you're doing. And for us, something we need, is that the coronavirus <laughs> alarm? <laughs> it went off. Um, for us <laughs> to be uh, <laughs> good runners, we need, there are certain things spiritually we need to have that strength and to have that endurance. And something, um, that helps us run faster and run faster for longer is a strong, secure, steady faith. And I loved that. Katie talked about faith tonight, and then Nate talked about faith, and I was like, okay, good. Like, I'm, we're on the right track, like, this um, talking about faith. And I just want to uh, read to you a verse, 2 Timothy 4.7. Paul says uh, at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And I just think how true it is and, like, wonderful it would be to be able to say that at the end of your life, but also just, like, at the end of a tough day, right? Like, I fought the good fight today, like, when my anxiety was stressing me out, wanting to keep me from coming to church tonight, but I, like, fought that fight and I'm at church. Or like when you want to go off at someone in school, but instead you just like keep it to yourself. That's like a good fight. You fight every day. And so we want to be able to say that at the end of the day. And we want to finish our race well. I, I think that it's not just about the way you start running or where you are in the middle, but it's about how you finish. And we want to finish strong. You can like watch so many YouTube videos of people who are running races who do not finish strong. Like I keep seeing this one going around where the guy like is in first place and starts like celebrating and the crowds like starts getting really loud and cheering and he thinks it's for him. So he's like, yeah, but really it's cause like the guy in second place is coming up on him and then the guy in second place wins. Like, so for the guy celebrating early, that's not a strong finish. And Paul was able to say that he had a strong finish. And to finish strong, we need that focus and that strength and that endurance. And those attributes come from faith. Paul said, I kept the faith. And so for us to finish our um, race strong, to fight the good fight, we need a faith that keeps. And to have a faith that keeps, it's a faith you need to set up with a secure foundation. And then it's a faith you need to keep strengthening. And in the Bible, we're given lots of ways of how to strengthen our faith. It's fellowship with believers, which is like you guys right now, like coming to church. Uh, it's following God, obeying his word, being in his word, uh, living like him, and then sharing your faith, proclaiming it with others. 
And in the Bible, we're given uh, a particular action, something that we as believers can do that encapsulates all of this to strengthen our faith, and that is baptism. And so I want to look tonight at baptism. Uh, we're, of course, like we just announced, we're having a baptism over spring break. And so we just thought it would be a good idea, like as a youth group, as this body, to just talk about like what baptism is, why we get baptized, like what's the point and all of that. And so tonight, that's just, we're going to really focus on baptism. And what I'm going to do is look at three baptisms we see in scripture uh, where a person is baptized and just see from those baptisms why we do it and then uh, talk about our call to baptism. So kind of a like prep course before we have our baptism in a couple weeks. So I'm going to start the first baptism we're going to look at, I think is a good place to start, is Jesus. So Jesus, he's about 30 years old when he ends up getting baptized, which is very young. I'm just kidding. It's kind of old. <laughs> I'm going to be 30 next month, so I'm going to just make you guys think. <laughs> he was just in the prime of his youth. No, um, so he's 30 years old. So for 30 years, Jesus has been living really anonymously and humbly. He's been a carpenter in Nazareth, which was like a low job in a low place. He was not anyone exalted or that you would think would have the impact that he would have on his society and then our entire world, right? Because whether you believe in him or not, we've all been affected by him. And so Jesus uh, has been living uh, out, hasn't walked into his call yet. He was placed here on earth to uh, preach the message of salvation, bring people to himself, and then die and rise again to take our place um, and make us righteous before God. But up until this point, that hasn't exactly started yet. And so Jesus... Uh, goes out into the desert where a guy named John the Baptist, who was a prophet, uh, and also Jesus's cousin, is out baptizing people. And so Jesus himself goes out and asks him to baptize him. And we read in Matthew 3, 16 and 17, in a second. <laughs> Matthew 3, 16 and 17. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, <clears throat> and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So this is the moment in Jesus' life where his ministry begins. He comes and he's baptized by John the Baptist, who had been um, prophesying about Jesus and that Jesus was a Messiah. He comes and he's baptized, and it signifies the start of his purpose for being here on earth, the start of his earthly ministry. Right after this, Jesus is going to get led away into the wilderness for 40 days where he's going to be tempted. 
where he's going to be tempted to forsake his call, to give up the plan that God has in exchange for his own plan, to try and make his own way instead of do things the way God had ordained for him. And so his baptism happened right before this. But uh, if you know the Bible, you know he came out of those 40 days triumphant, right? He did not fall into temptation, and he came out of the wilderness, and then he starts assembling his disciples. He starts pulling together the dream team, and from there, his teachings, his miracles, and um, just the impactful life he had began. And this is where his baptism led him to his call by God. It solidified his position and it made public the anointing of the spirit and his relationship with God. We read the heavens opened up and a dove flew down. Like that's a very clear sign to the people around that this man's the son of God and the Holy Spirit's upon him. And so baptism made public the anointing of the Spirit upon him, and it gave him the equipping necessary, the Spirit did, to carry out God's call on his life. Then the second baptism I want to look at is someone just, the Ethiopian man. Um, They don't give us his name, but we can just, you know, you can imagine it. Um, And so we read about this man, this Ethiopian man, in the book of Acts. And uh, background, there's an apostle of Jesus, one of the original 12 disciples. His name is Philip. And right now, at this time in Jerusalem, a crazy, like, work of God is happening. The early church has just begun. People are getting saved by the thousands. They're all getting baptized. We read that multitudes of men and women are getting saved, preaching salvation, getting baptized. Like, things are changing. And this incredible work is going on, and Philip is part of the, one of the leaders of that work. But we read in Acts 8, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. I like that. Like, it's a desert. <laughs> go down there. Um, so he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake his chariot, which is also funny because he's in a chariot and Philip's on foot. So you're like, picture like this guy like running. Or we don't read Philip has a chariot. So I just pictured this guy like running up really fast. And you know when you're reading and someone interrupts you, you're like, that's what I picture. So anyways, Philip runs up to him. Um, So Philip ran up to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. So what's happening here is this man um, who's from Ethiopia that we're told, which also at this time, it's not just the Ethiopia you see on the map. It's like a much larger region of Africa. So it's a, a guy who's in charge of the wealth of an African nation, has journeyed all the way from Africa up to Jerusalem searching for spiritual answers. 
um, he's clearly unfulfilled, has questions, to leave where you're from and make that journey because you've maybe heard about this God in Israel, maybe word had traveled down to him, and he wanted his spiritual questions answered. So he goes to Jerusalem to worship. It says to worship. He gets this scroll, which at this time would have been a really expensive, people didn't just own whole scrolls. So he dropped a lot of money on this expensive scroll to try and understand what, um, what he wanted to know about spiritual things, about this God he had heard of in Israel. And so he's reading, actually it says from the prophet Isaiah. So he's looking at prophecies that are about Jesus but written a long time ago, and he's confused and questioning, and God saw him. And I just want that, um, as a side note, to be a reminder to you guys that if you have questions or you're, like, searching for spiritual answers, God sees you and he wants to answer those questions, so much so that he sent this guy, Philip, from what was this great work and revival with multitudes happening and God sent him from the multitudes to one guy in a chariot who had questions and God wanted to answer them. So then Philip says in verse 35, it says, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that he saw him no more. And then the man went on his way rejoicing. You know that when you or missing something and then you find it and that relief and joy that comes from it, that's what's being experienced here. He wasn't just missing, I lost, actually I'll just say this right now, a couple like months ago, I realized I had lost one of my earrings, one of the ones I'm wearing tonight, and I happened to be with Julianne when it happened and I was like, oh my gosh, I lost one of my earrings, I'm like all depressed. And we couldn't find it, like, where we were, all the places I thought it was. I'm like, man, it just fell off, like, in Target or something. I'll never see it again. And um, then Julianne texted me yesterday. Thankfully, I kept the other one. She was raking her front yard, which, one, nice, she rakes her yard. Um, she's raking her front yard and found the other earring. It was, like, down deep in her dirt, so she brought it to me, down deep in the dirt, you heard me, and she brought it to church tonight, and now I'm wearing both of them, so anyways, that's, <laughs> that's, that's one thing, but just like that joy when you're missing something, when Julianne sent me that text, I was like so stoked, and putting that earring in tonight, I'm like, man, God loves me, like, right? And just that feeling, and that's what this guy just had all his questions, that anguish inside of him, like, what, is, what am I missing, and who's the way, and what's the answers? He found them, and he went on his way rejoicing. I love that, um, 
Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? Like, it's like this guy in this scroll, he's like, do you understand what you're reading? And he's like, no, someone needs to explain it to me. And that's um, just something I want you guys to know that we're here for. Like, we want to help you understand, and we want to explain things to you. And when you have your questions, like, come to us and ask us. We want to talk about them with you. Um, and then uh, God... God works on him, right? God sent this man, Philip, to come uh, change this man's life, change where he was going, change the way he would return home, right? He left Ethiopia. He left his kingdom one way, searching, seeking, and he came back fulfilled, full of joy with the answers. And it was this experience, this answer from God that would lead him to salvation, the final question that he's asked is, do you believe with your heart? And I just for a second want to talk about that because Jesus, uh, for some of you, might just be head knowledge right now. I know for me, that's most of my life growing up in church is I just understood Jesus. I, I knew what he, who he was and what he had done. I understood the church things. But here he's asked, do you believe in your heart? Because Jesus wants more than head knowledge. He wants heart experience. And I, I understand this. Um, maybe you don't know this. If you don't, me and Nate are married. And, um, yeah, big surprise. Six years now. And so, yeah. But I have a piece of paper that legally proves Nate loves me, Okay. <laughs> It's like a legal piece of paper. It says um, marriage certificate. And we like both signed it. And I think like, did you sign it, Shane? Maybe it was Leah. I think he did, yeah. So us two, Shane was our witness. He's like, yeah, these two love each other. They're getting married. And um, so like I have that piece of paper. But every day when I'm like wake up, I don't like pull the piece of paper out of the drawer and like look at it and go, oh, Nate loves me. Um, it's experiences that let me know Nate loves me. Or it's just me pestering him going, do you like me? Am I pretty? <laughs> Am I funny? <laughs> like, I just keep asking him the questions, and he keeps saying yes, and, like, that's, that's what I like to hear. But it's that heart experience. We, it's more than just that little piece of paper, but it's, like, life lived with someone where you're experiencing the love, and Christ wants that from us. And... Philip knows this guy's smart, clearly. He's high up in government, overseeing just like it says, like the treasures of Queen Candace, which is like the most like glorious sentence in the Bible. Like, and that's what he's doing. He's overseeing this like great wealth. He's smart. So Philip knows he can get it here, but he wants him to understand it in his heart. And he does. He says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And then he, like, first body of water he sees, he's like, let's go, baptize me. And so for this man, this Ethiopian, um, I can't wait to meet him in heaven and find out his real name so I can, like, just call him by name. But his baptism came from a place of finally um, finding what he was looking for, that his answers about faith and spirituality, all of that was found this day. And it was a public proclamation that he had found what he was searching for. And in this, he would find faith strengthened, faith made steady, and great joy. He would go away joyful. 
And then the third baptism I want to look at is Paul. And Paul is the one who wrote the verse at the beginning uh, that says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. But before he would write that, he was uh, the complete opposite. He was what we'd call a cynic or someone who is very critical of those who believed in Jesus. His name actually used to be Saul, and Saul's identity was wrapped up in persecuting, killing, trying to discredit, and to um, tear apart the church that was being built in Acts. But when he met Jesus, he w- his identity was completely changed. He got a name change, he, a complete identity change. He was on a um, road going from one place where he was persecuting Christians to the next place where he was going to persecute Christians. And God literally showed up as a bright light, knocked him to the ground, and his whole life turned around. And <laughs> I like almost went into the Fresh Prince song, and I had to like pull it back. Um, <laughs> and so here's um, Paul now. When God met him, Paul was actually blinded. Like the light was so bright, Paul was blinded. And he was taken to a place where he rested for three days. And then God sent another person, another believer, uh, to come pray over Paul. And so this believer comes, prays over Paul. And we read in Acts 9.18 that Paul, he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. And that's the first thing Paul does. He gets up, the scales, it says the scales fall off. He's no longer uh, blinded, and he's baptized. Uh, And then we read two verses later in Acts 9.20, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. And it was that quick. We read verse 19, he's baptized. Actually, verse, uh, or verse 18, he's baptized. Verse 19 is that he ate because he was hungry. So he like gets baptized, has a meal, and then he goes out and he starts preaching right away. He walked immediately into his calling, his new calling, his new identity. We um, read so much of Paul's writing. He wrote most of the New Testament. He wrote most of the verses we're reading tonight. <laughs> Um, He would perform incredible miracles. He would raise people from the dead. He would heal sick and lame and hurting. Uh, He would have audiences with thousands, and he would have audiences with kings and governments. He would be broken out of prison. He would just, his life would just experience the most incredible um, miracles and events from this point on. And so for Paul, his baptism ushered him in to his new identity and his calling. And we know that it was a fulfilling life for him, right? It's not like we read at the end of his life, he says, I should have kept persecuting Christians, and I should have kept fighting against Christ, and I should have kept trying to tear apart the work God was doing. No, he says, I ran well, I finished well, I fought well, and I kept the faith. And so for Paul, this baptism of his was immediate after his conversion, and it set him up into the call God has for him, had for him, and he lived it well. 
So I said I had three baptisms, but I have a surprise fourth baptism. And with that, um, the band could actually start to come up. But the last baptism I want to look at is us, our own baptism. In Romans 6, we're given a picture, uh, Paul writes it, and Paul's a very descriptive writer, and he paints this picture of what baptism is, and it's a lot of words, because that's Paul, he's like a talker and uses all the words, but at the end, I'll kind of um, just explain what he's saying. He says, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection." Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. So what Paul's saying here is that baptism for the believer, once you've professed Christ and you want him to be the Lord of your life and you want him to guide you in life, once you've done that and you partake in baptism, what you're doing is you're symbolically aligning yourself with Christ and his death and his resurrection. When you're going down in the water, it's just a symbol. It's death to who you were, and you're coming up to life abundant in Jesus and the new call he has for you. There's power in baptism. And that's why we just wanted to focus on that tonight. This isn't like a sales pitch. We are going to have sign-ups for baptism in two weeks after this uh, tonight. But it's not like um, Nate said, hey, you have to get 10 people to sign up for baptism or like you lose or something. Like there's no like quota we're trying to meet. But we just wanted to talk about what baptism is. So you can see that there's power in it and it's something God's called us to do and something he's given us a way to do. Um, it's not required for salvation. It's not like you won't go to heaven if you haven't been baptized, but it's something we get to experience that aligns us with Jesus himself and his death and his resurrection. My baptism, I, my, for, I was baptized as a child, and maybe some of you were baptized as like an infant or a young child, and I was, I was six years old when I was um, baptized the first time. And my parents will tell you I was like a kid genius and I knew exactly what I was doing and like understood it, which like, I, I don't doubt I had some idea of what the baptism meant. And I loved Jesus at six. So I was like, yeah, dunk me in the ocean, like sign me up, let's go. But um, it wasn't until later the summer after high school where I realized what baptism was and really understood the like symbolism of death to the old me and coming alive to the life Christ had for me and the call he had on my life. And so it was that summer after I graduated high school that I was baptized and this time as a decision for myself 
um, wanting to just say like, hey, I want to walk in what God has for me. I'm tired of like flip-flopping around or just like coasting through on like, oh, I know everything about the Bible. Like I want to do something in front of my friends and my family that's going to show people and for myself and to the Lord that I'm ready to walk in his call. And so that's what we're talking about tonight. That if you believe Jesus is your savior and you're ready to walk into your calling and your purpose, baptism is just a catapult for that. It's not that God can't use you if you're not baptized, but it's just a way for you to get it started, a way for you to say, hey, I'm starting now. Let's go, Lord. Like, what do you have for me? And so there's that power in publicly displaying your faith. And then, like, we'll be there, so it's a celebration. It's a pool party afterwards. Like, we're there to celebrate with you and be excited about that proclamation you've made. And this symbolic resurrection that we get to partake in, it builds our faith because it's a moment you can look back on for the rest of your life. Like I said, 30 next month, and I was, like, 17 when I got baptized, so I'm not that fast at math, but, you know, it's been a few years, and I get to look back on that like as a moment where I stepped into my calling. I know Nate has a similar story where he was baptized later. He was baptized after we were married because he wanted to walk into that calling. He was like, Lord, I, you know, you've given us this youth ministry and um, just different platforms to share, and I want to walk into that. And that's what baptism is. You can look back at that day you did it. And looking around here, I see people I saw get baptized in California a couple summers ago. And you can look back on that. If you're, like, um, feeling down or you feel like you've been making mistakes, like, God's a God of new beginnings. Like, remember that baptism. Remember when you died to that old self. And keep walking in the newness of life and that call he has for you. Like, all you got to do is just start running again. Get back on the track. And maybe for you, it's going to be spring break 2020 that you look back on and you say, that was the moment that I wanted to step into my calling. That reminder, that proclamation, I've been made new. I have a call. I have a purpose. And that's what baptism is, a chance for you to experience that and walk in it.